I served in Vietnam. I served in Iraq. No matter where you served or when, VA has benefits for veterans of every generation. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 47 of This Week at VA. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. Simple episode for you this week. I first want to highlight all of our digital media and social media outlets so you can stay up to date with VA news and stories from within our community on the platform of your choice. If you are listening to this podcast in a browser, like at our blog or something like that, and want to subscribe and get these delivered straight to your phone, you can do so in iTunes, Stitcher, or even Google Play. Just search This Week at VA and subscribe in there. We're on Twitter at DEPT Vet Affairs. We tweet quite a bit and try to engage with our audience as much as we can, but understand that our mentions uh, are very busy every day and it is difficult to always keep up. If you have any concerns about your care, you should talk to your patient advocate at your local medical center. I also recommend following Secretary Shulkin at SEC Shulkin. You'll see a lot from his endeavors and more with his work with the White House and Congress. You can join the 1.1 million people that follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash veteransaffairs. We often post cool stories from our blog or others from around the veteran community. We are on Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs. Much of our content there highlights the good work being done around VA and images from veteran-centric events such as honor flights, military anniversaries, Veterans Day, and more. Lastly, and most importantly, our blog features a lot of important and insightful articles. We highlight VA news, our Veteran of the Day posts, veteran stories, career information, and much, much more. You can find our Vantage Point blog at blogs.va.gov. Today's feature interview is with Charlie Smith. Charlie is a Marine veteran attending Lipscomb University in Tennessee. He's using the GI Bill to pursue a degree and hopefully commission when he graduates. Charlie's going to talk to us about being a student veteran and taking a leadership role with his Veterans Campus group. Enjoy. Charlie Smith, sir, thank you for joining me. You are the... Uh, the president of the Veterans Group on campus at Lipscomb University. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I nailed it. Charlie, we're going to start this interview where we start every interview because us veterans have one thing in common, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Bring us back to that decision for you. Uh, so for me, that decision was probably made from probably about the time I was seven years old. Um, for one, when I was seven, that was in 2001, so that's when 9-11 happened. And I come from a, a pretty active military family. Uh, we can trace our lineage all the way back to the Revolutionary War. So military service is something that we're very much in tune with. And I pretty much knew from the get-go that that's what I wanted to do. Um, when I was seven years old, I came to live with my aunt and uncle, and my uncle served as a Marine in Vietnam. And so growing up, I knew that I was going to go into the military in some aspect to begin with. Um, I wanted to join the Air Force to be a pilot, but as I grew older and I learned more about my uncle's service in Vietnam, uh, the Marine Corps really started to appeal to me. And so as a junior in high school, I was faced with a crossroads, so to speak. I um, had the choice. I was like, I can either go to college and accrue so much debt and student loans because I, I wanted to go the officer route, 
And then the more I thought about it, I was like, the, the decision to enlist began to be more appealing. One, I wouldn't have to uh, take on so much student debt because of the GI Bill that would be afforded to me after my military service. Two, it would give me an opportunity to get a feel for the actual military and see if pursuing a commission is something that I wanted to do. And three, the war in Afghanistan was still going on. And coming from a pretty patriotic family, I felt like I should join during a time of war. So that was in – I enlisted in March of 2012 in my senior year. And then I went to recruit training at Paris Island in December of 2012. Okay, and then you just did you just did a four, four years. Yes, time? I did. Yeah, I did four. Um, I was promoted to sergeant about six months out from my EAS date, and I decided right then and there, I was like, in four years, I could either be uh, a staff NCO or I can be an officer. And it came down to I want to help make policy and not just necessarily enforce it anymore. So I made the decision to get off active duty, and go pursue my degree and in the hopes of commissioning as a lieutenant into the Marine Corps after I'm finished with school. Okay, very cool. Do you have, uh, in your four years, do you have a story or an experience from your time in that uh, you feel maybe summarizes or epitomizes your time in, maybe even just a story you like to recall often? Um, well, one that really stands out in my mind is it's, uh, it's from recruit training, actually. So... You know, after you get off the rifle range, you enter in uh, week 10 is what they call team week. And so that's where they split you up and they send you off to working parties all over Paris Island. But it's also the same time where they send you to dental to uh, eat your wisdom teeth removed. And uh, I was one of the lucky recruits that was tapped to get my wisdom teeth removed. So I had, uh, I had talked to my rack mate the day before because he had gone, and I asked him how it was. He's like, honestly, it wasn't that bad. He's like, I think you'll be okay. But he failed to tell me that he only had to have one wisdom tooth removed. Um, so I go there, and they hit me with the news that, hey, you got two of them growing in sideways, and we're talking, we're just going to go ahead and get all four of them. Hmm. And I was like, well, okay. Um, I was like, so, uh, you know, speaking in the, the third person, of course, as any good recruit would do, I was like, so this recruit will be will be put under anesthesia, correct? And they're like, no, due to whatever reason it was they gave me. They're like, we'll only do local anesthesia. So this began, like, my true experience and exposure to military logic, so to speak. But uh, so they gave me local anesthetic, and, you know, they pulled my wisdom teeth. No big deal. Um, cheeks were swollen up like a chipmunk, and I was given uh, the rest of the day for bed rest. I would go on light duty for a day, and then I would go back on full duty two days after having my wisdom teeth pulled. So I guess I had bled a lot throughout the night. Um, and so I woke up the next morning and they did, uh, like our, you know, our daily morning ritual. And this time it included for us that had our wisdom teeth pulled, uh, taking our medication because they kept it, um, under pretty much locking key that way we, you know, for obvious reasons, of course. But so I went up and, uh, they, my drill instructors you know, gave me my medication. They said, take what you need. And I took um, two of the Lortab that was prescribed to me. And I had never taken painkillers before. And more or less, I was also doing it on an empty stomach. And then combining that with uh, the screaming that takes place in recruit training and uh, the hustle and bustle of your daily routine, uh, we were marching to chow. And we get outside the Hall. And before we go inside the mess hall, 
Of course, they're making a screen ditties, which I'm sure you know what ditties are. You yeah. can recall from your time. And I just remember getting really lightheaded. Um, and I started getting tunnel vision pretty bad. And the next thing I know, I'm back home uh, in Statesville, North Carolina. And I knew something obviously was not right because it was like just a few seconds ago I was in recruit training. And so what had happened was I had passed out and I fell forward and I split my chin open. And so I, I came to with my senior drill instructor standing over me telling me to apply pressure to my chin to stop the bleeding. Um, of course, ensuring that I continued to speak in the third person. Um, also, I busted my chin open, but also I, I bit down on my tongue pretty hard. And um, I also, you know, shattered a couple teeth in the process. Oof. So I actually left Paris Island for the afternoon. They took me to the uh, Naval Hospital in Beaufort, South Carolina to, to stitch up my chin and to send me on my way. And so they had to send one of my drill instructors to come out and pick me up. And so he comes, he picks me up, he puts me in the truck, and he tells me to put my head down because as a recruit, I don't rate to look at the outside world. Um, and the entire ride back, he's making me scream ditties. And it's already hard <laughs> enough to talk with a swollen tongue, but imagine screaming ditties with a swollen tongue. Yeah. Um, it's pretty difficult. And so I went on bed rest for two days after that, a day of light duty, and then went back on full duty. And my drill instructors were just, you know, foaming at the mouth to get a piece of me because in their minds, I was, uh, slacking off, so to speak. But I, I tell this story because I think it serves as a, a good example that, you know, during the process of recruit training, no matter what happens, the standard that is in place upon you as a recruit and a soon to be Marine, uh, it's, it's never, uh, differentiated from they continue to hold you to that standard even in the case of me falling down and busting my chin open they still demanded the respect that i should show to them as drill instructors and still uh, demanded of me the highest standard and i think this really set a precedence as my time as a marina especially as my time in the infantry that there is a standard that has to be met at all times and it's a very high standard as marines and so sometimes it's going to come with sacrifice um, sometimes it's not going to warrant necessarily the, the applaud or the recognition that you necessarily deserve. But at the end of the day, you can take pride in the work that you do and the things that you accomplish. And that's a, that is an aspect that I've tried to bring into civilian life now as a veteran student at Lipscomb. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, uh, great story, by the way. Uh, Thank you. That's, uh, you know, what's funny is like that didn't happen, but like, I think, we there was so much so many crazy things happening in, in Marine Corps boot camp. I think any Marine listening can picture that happening, right? I think we oh, can absolutely the, the recruit falling, the drill instructors responding. Uh, like drill instructors did a really good job, I thought, and this even in two thousand and six of appropriately responding to an emergency, but like you said, still maintaining that high expectation of it's like oh you're dying we. Yeah, I better hear sister out of your mouth while you're dying. Uh, I want to make sure like, you don't like die. Here. I'm going to respond to your possible death by making sure you don't die. But I get, I better get an eye eye sir out of you every yeah, time. Yeah, it's I like thought. you're you're still a nasty recruit, so yeah, to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you mentioned that you, you you transitioned out on purpose with the with the the plan to 
get a college degree, go back in uh, and commission. Um, but even with that plan, uh, I know you know a lot of veterans when they transition out of the military, they experience emotional challenges because of the transition and not being in their uh, that military envir- environment anymore. Is that something that you experienced at all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So coming from the Marine Corps, especially coming from the infantry, um, so I grew accustomed to the, the day-to-day life and just dealing with Marines. And dealing with Marines is not like dealing with normal civilians, and the civilian world is certainly not like the Marine Corps. And I'll be the first to say that I probably underestimated that. The Marine Corps definitely set me up to be successful, but at the same time, I just didn't take it upon myself to really, I wouldn't say take it seriously, but just to understand that it was going to offer new challenges and different views on things. So it as so during my time in the Marine Corps, especially towards the end, I was I was made a platoon sergeant, and um, coming into the civilian world, you know that that doesn't necessarily mean something to a lot of people. Um, you know they 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 pick up that you were in the service and that you were a Marine, and so they have you know, that, that mutual respect, so to speak. But at the same time, coming into it, especially being a little bit older and being in school with um, kids that kids that I was their age whenever I entered into the Marine Corps, um, you have to learn how to really interact with them and to get across to them, not in the typical Marine Corps way of, you know, lifing somebody out or um, – necessarily taking on that aggressive posture all the time. You have to learn to be a little bit diplomatic about it. Um, I think that we kind of get encompassed in our own world, so to speak, not only in the Marine Corps, but in the military as well. And for a lot of guys, it really is a culture shock because it's a huge, it's a life change. After four years or however long, I can only imagine, you know, someone that does, you know, an entire career in the military and then tries to go into the civilian sector to do anything. It has to be a huge culture shock, but it does set you up for success because those intangible attributes that you learn and that are really demanded of you during military service really does give you a leg up, so to speak, in a lot of ways whenever it comes to the real world. So, yeah, I'd say that I definitely did uh, encounter that to begin with, but the biggest thing that I found in helping with that is to just get involved, try to assimilate back into society as quickly and as easily as possible. And that's that's what led me to becoming more active at Lipscomb, to running for the president position of the CBO, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Charlie, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is we are encountering the, the fall semester uh, of, uh, of college, and um, we've had a few student veterans on the show we've had the we've had uh kate tillotson who was a student veteran of the year last year we've had a couple others that utilize their gi bill to uh to pursue higher education and going into this new semester i wanted anybody who was currently a student veteran or maybe even entering their first year as a student veteran uh to maybe get an idea of uh just some insights from someone who's currently on on campus who's leading a group um so let's start with like when you got when you when you first arrived on campus, um, did you know that there was a veterans group available? Was that something that you, that your university or someone else told you before you before day one? Uh, yes. So um, Lipscomb has a very active veteran service office. Uh, they're very proactive, and so from the get go of me even just applying before I got accepted, we were already corresponding. Um, 
Now, I didn't necessarily know so much about the campus veteran organization, and I won't put that on the faults of the veteran service office, but it was, and this is one thing that led me to, to running for the position was because I saw that it was really just an organization that existed on paper, so to speak. And so it just wasn't very active, and there seemed to be a disconnect between the veterans population at the school and the, and the traditional undergrads at the school. And so I saw this as an opportunity for me to come into this position and to kind of act as liaison, so to speak, between the traditional undergrad and the student veteran, because I feel like, uh, especially with as veterans, we bring a lot to the table, and I think we also have a lot to learn from traditional students as well. And the big thing that helps with that transition out is a simulation back into normal society as best as possible. So if that answers your question, so to speak. Yeah, sure. Um, what, what year of college are you in? So uh, I'm currently in my uh, second semester of my freshman year. So I came into college. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I'm starting fresh out. I think my, you know, my military training gave me something around like six credits to, to start out with. So uh, I had to start fresh, which is which is fine. I understand like this, there's a process to it and a, a – a, a rhyme to the reason, so to speak. So, right. yeah, I think that's something that um, you know it's it's different from university to university, which is kind of difficult for uh, people to get used to when they're applying or to understand. Um, when I when I applied to American University, I had a, a slew of college credits from American American Military University I had taken online. I even had a semester's worth of credits from Penn State uh, online, but just none of, I think maybe half a semester's worth transferred over to American University. I, I essentially had oh, wow. three and a half semesters left to go at the from the get-go, and that's after having done a couple years of worth of college. Uh, just because some, some universities have different expectations, they have different match requirements on credits, um, and depending on what your program is, you know, program and curriculum specific uh, credits are are more difficult to get transferred over, right? So I went from a social psychology uh, realm to a communications realm, and like you know, only a few. Um, what do you call it? The, the extra class, uh, elect, you know, um, help me out here. Was the extra classes you take? Your electives. Uh, electives. There we go. Thank you. Only a handful of electives transferred over, and like one writing class, and that was about it. And so, uh, yeah, after. Thinking that I, you know, made this made this big step in my college uh, career while I was in, essentially, I got out when I got to American University. I was, I mean, I was pretty much starting from uh, from scratch, which was difficult to swallow. Uh, you know, because by the time I'd graduated, I had invested six plus years in. Uh, it, I'd taken me six plus years from my very first college course to finally get my degree. So, uh, all that to say, it is important to understand how your credits uh, that from your military experience and from the call, the online courses or whatever you've taken, how they're going to transfer to your degree um, when you uh, when you finally start uh, attending university. Tell me about your plans for the veteran group on campus. What do you what do you do to what are your plans on recruiting events stuff like that? Okay, so I come into a, wanting to to transform the campus veteran organization into more of a service based organization. Uh, and what really planted this idea in my head was that I noticed that 
veterans really do like the idea of community. It's it's what we miss about the military. We miss the camaraderie, um, and we genuinely do like to help. We like to help out you know, people in need or to do service projects and things like that. So it's my hope that, one, we get more involved with the student body there. We integrate because I feel like, like I said before, we have a lot to bring to the table that we can teach people a lot of life experience that a lot of people don't have. And in return, we learn a lot on the back end from these traditional undergrads. It's the still sharp and still sort of mentality. Um, also, I wanted to to make us more known um, because like before, the CVO had existed solely on paper. It hadn't really been too active. And so it's in my hopes that becoming more active in not just the school community, but hopefully in the local Nashville community as well, that that gives us uh, it gives us a little publicity, so to speak, to start drawing veterans to Lipscomb to show them, like, hey, this is a good community. You're going to have a lot of support here. You're going to be looked after. Any questions or concerns that you may have, we're going to help take care of you at the same time and help you get to that next stage in life through this huge transition period. And so uh, right now, we're we're about to start working with Purple Heart Homes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that organization, but they are going to be opening up a chapter in Middle Tennessee, and it's in my hopes that we can establish uh, an opportunity with them to in order to start helping with their many service projects. So the basis of them is that they help uh, facilitate needs to combat wounded veterans, and whether that's like building wheelchair ramps or just a number of things, um, it allows – it allows not only veterans but normal people as well to come in and to work together towards a common good. And I see that being uh, very integral with uh, establishing that connection between the traditional undergrad and the veteran student at Lipscomb University. Yeah, sure. So what about your um, uh, what about your experience um, in the classroom? Uh, so I have nothing but good things to say about the staff at Lipscomb University. I've genuinely had just great professors. They're all very accommodating. Um, I haven't dealt with any negativity as far towards my military service. A lot of them are very interested in it, and they like having veterans in the classroom because it allows um, a sense of maturity to come in and to kind of help even out the classroom, so to speak. So uh, in the classroom, it's been good. Cool. I think I, I don't know if I don't know if you touched on this, but what made you decide on Lipscomb? So, getting towards the end of my time in the Marine Corps, I um, I made the decision that I was no I was not going to reenlist that I was going to pursue this commission. So I began to look at schools. Uh, so I'm from North Carolina, and originally I was going to go to school in North Carolina, but I, I got stationed at Camp Lejeune, a couple hours away from home, and the thought dawned on me. I was like. I've been in North Carolina my entire life. I have this opportunity with the GI Bill. I can go to school anywhere. So I actually came out here to the Nashville area a couple weeks before I transitioned out. And I'm really good friends with a retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel out here and his family. And I spent some time out here, and the, the idea got playing on my head. I was like, why don't I look into coming to school out here? I like the environment. Nashville's a, a growing community. Uh, there's a lot of good networking opportunities here. Um, and so his son goes to Lipscomb, and I'm really good friends with his son. And 
he he told me that I should look into it. Uh, he had nothing but good things to say. And so I applied there and instantly just received a lot of good feedback from the staff and, and missions there. And that really like set the tone for it. They were just very receptive to me coming to school there. So I made the decision to commit. Yeah. And, um, and, and are you using your GI Bill or are you, are you in a commissioning program provided by the military? No, no, no. So I made that decision on the commissioning a little late, I, okay. I suppose, and uh, my, my enlistment. Uh, a lot of these, you know, like the, the MESEP program that's offered and things like that, there's, yeah. a, there's a college requirement already to apply for it. And between training and deployment tempo and things like that, I just I never had time for college. I'm sure I could have made time, but uh, I got sucked into the day-to-day life as a Marine. So I'm actually I'm using my GI Bill with the hopes of getting into a form of commissioning program here in the fall. I'll start the uh, the application process for that here very soon. Yeah, and then how did you, how did you find using or applying for your education benefits? Was it was, did anybody help you? Did you navigate it yourself? Uh, no, the the Veterans Service Office at Lipscomb, they um, they walked me through the process in which I would need to do to apply in order to get all the necessary paperwork involved. And I'm very thankful for that because I really had a, a very a very brief exposure to that during, during our, our TRS seminar that we have to take before we transition out of active duty. So it was uh, it was a godsend, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, Charlie, what is something from your time in the military that you think is contributing to your success as a student? Um, you know, just, you know, as Marines were taught, you know, to constantly be on the attack, to be ambitious, to look to exploit a situation, so to speak, to, to always try to be a couple steps ahead. And so I always, I take that mentality to school. I'm always looking, it's like, how can I get ahead? How can I stay on top of things? How can I manage time better? Uh, it just... My time in the Marine Corps made me very ambitious, and it it made me really focus on um, what my goals were. And I'm able to focus on a goal and then come up with the necessary steps in order to make sure that I achieve that goal. Um, it's a very well thought out decision making process. Is what the Marine Corps gave me. All right, very well. Uh, give me a give me a veteran or a veteran organization. Uh, it can be in your community. It could be nationwide. It can be uh, uh, whoever um, that has you excited about what they're doing right now. Someone you admire. Uh, so one that I'm I pay attention to quite a bit. It's called Vet TV. Uh, it's it started by a, a former Marine captain. Uh, he was an infantry officer, and so it's essentially going to be like the Comedy Central of veterans, so to speak. Hmm. So it, it, it tackles things um, like everyday like life on deployment and things like that and gives it a sense of comedy about it. But in the meantime, they also take the, the funds that they raise and things like that to help combat things like veteran suicide. They organize these uh, silky marches across the nation where they a lot of veterans come out and they march in support of helping to stop veteran suicide because, as we know, that's an epidemic that's taking place in this country right now. And I think it's really great that they're taking comedy and helping to use it for something uh, so serious like that. I think it's a really good uh, showing of like the duality of us as veterans, Uh, because we do, we bring 
we all bring like a lot of uh, funny experiences that we can laugh about, but at the same time, it's a very tight knit community as veterans that you'll find. So I think it's great what they're doing. Yeah, very cool, Charlie. Uh, and in the chance that someone listening is. Uh, either in the Middle Tennessee community and wants to reach out, or even someone that might even be on campus. How do they get connected with the with the veteran with the veteran group that you have there? Um, so you can reach my personal email. Um, that's uh, cdsmith5 at mail.lipscomb.edu, or you can just email the the school directly and they will get you in touch with either the campus veteran organization or the veteran service office. They're very good about directing people in the right direction to get in touch with the necessary people. So all you gotta do is, you know, reach out and try to contact us and we will get in contact with you and help to facilitate or answer any questions that you may have and to hopefully um, get you to where you want to be. Perfect. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your service, and uh, I hope I wish you the best of luck at Lipscomb and uh, in your future commission. All right. Thank you so much, and thank you for your service as well. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care and women's health specialty care. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. Visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. As we've mentioned before, September is Suicide Prevention Month. With that, I want to spotlight Make the Connection. MakeTheConnection.net is an online resource designed to connect veterans, their family members, friends, and other supporters with information, resources, and solutions to issues affecting their lives. Over 400 veterans and family members from across the country have shared their stories of strength and recovery. On MakeTheConnection.net, it only takes seconds to find a story that is just for you. They have veterans sharing stories regarding depression, PTSD, anxiety disorders, homelessness, employment, and so much more. Watch these powerful stories at maketheconnection.net. Today's Veteran of the Day is Korean War Army veteran Joseph Calabria. Drafted into the Army in 1951, Joseph served with the 715th Transportation Truck Company, 55th Truck Battalion. He was initially sent to Fort Lawton before deploying to Pusan, Korea in 1952. Joseph was responsible for delivering weapons, food, and other supplies to two soldiers on the front line. Joseph passed away on July 28, 2017. We honor his service. To read Joseph's full write-up and to nominate your own vet on the day, go to blogs.va.gov. Episode 47 is in the books. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. It means a lot to these veterans to know that you're tuning in. If you have any questions you'd like to have addressed on the show, email them to us at newmedia at va.gov. Follow us on Instagram for more images from our community at DEPT Vet Affairs. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.